Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's edition of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. Dear JCPS is a district-focused stakeholder advocacy group that demands accountability and transparency from JCPS through a lens of equity. Save Our Schools Kentucky is a statewide advocacy group that seeks to expose and prevent attempts to privatize our public schools, including charter schools and everything else from the ALEC playbook. The following is part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming. The views expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. If you would like to share your views, you may email us at wfmp.louisville at gmail.com. Hello and welcome to the February 10th, 2022 episode of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. I'm your host, Gay Adelman. Since our last episode, there have been a few more developments regarding legislation that is intended to dismantle public education and prevent the teaching of accurate history in our public school systems. One bill in particular, Senate Bill 1, has passed the Senate and moved on to the House where we are waiting for it to be assigned to a committee. House Bills 14 and 18 seem to have lingered for now. However, there is a bill from the Senate that accomplishes much of the same goals that were intended under HB 14 and 18, and that bill is Senate Bill 138. Another bill that targets JCPS in particular passed out of House Committee on Tuesday, and that bill is House Bill 63, which is the bill that will put armed police, armed gunmen, in JCPS schools. Every single JCPS school will be required to pay for an armed LMPD officer to guard over the school and therefore police the students in that school. That is what happens when you put armed police in our public schools. Police are trained to be hammers and when you're trained to be a hammer every problem looks like a nail. Our public schools however first and foremost were designed to nurture and educate our children and keep them safe from outside threats. Having police in our schools does not keep them safe from outside threats. It introduces additional threats and potential trauma while also fueling and feeding the pipeline to prison. This bill is overreaching because it specifically targets JCPS. Uh, across the state, the rest of the districts don't need this bill because if they want to have armed police in their schools, they are free to do so. They are free to find the funding, and this basically requires that we find the funding. It took out the language that says, as resources become available. So now, it doesn't matter if we have resources available or not, we are required to have an LMPD officer in every one of our schools. So if the resources are not available, that means we're going to have to raise our taxes. And so I find it ironic that the same people who resisted a tax increase when it came to funding uh, for the building of new schools in West Louisville so that we can um, make it possible for children who live in West Louisville to attend a quality school closer to home 
and we can start to unwind some of the harmful impacts that busing has caused and we can make our schools in West Louisville have enough seats to not only accommodate the students who live close by, but also to have programs and additional seats to attract students from around the district so that we can also create a greater amount of diversity in our schools by creating more carrot and less stick uh, for our students. And so uh, that would alleviate some transportation problems and yet when we presented the tax increase to the GOP and to the community and to the Tea Party groups that are in town, uh, there was a great deal of resistance against this tax increase, but it was still brought uh, forth for a vote, although a uh, court ruling determined that the petition, but it had the potential, like all of those mechanisms were in place for if people objected, if authentic community members truly objected enough to this tax increase, they could have garnered enough signatures for a petition that weren't manufactured like the Tea Party ones were, but an actual um, petition could have garnered enough signatures to put it on the ballot. So there is a democratic mechanism for community support and community uh, resistance should that be required. And that didn't show up. That didn't come forward but at least it was there and in the case of forcing our schools to have armed gunmen that are employed by LMPD who have problems within their own ranks that they have yet to rectify and have led to the deaths of many of our innocent uh, members of our community so until all of that is rectified why would we want to insert uh, more potential for violence and terrorism and trauma for our black uh, and brown uh, students who attend our schools, which, by the way, makes up more than 50% of our school population. This bill passed out of committee on Tuesday, but prior to that, it had been on the agenda, I believe, three other times. Two times the meeting was canceled. A third time, the time that we all showed up to speak, it was pulled from the agenda and uh, the reporters were told, the, the media reported that they were told that it needs work was the reason. But perhaps the reason was because powerful speakers were in the audience then and again this past Tuesday to speak against the bill. Only two people got to speak against the bill this last time. I'm going to play for you excerpts from Tuesday's House Education Committee hearing as well as the testimonies of the two powerful Jefferson County black stakeholders that spoke against the bill. So we now return to House Bill 63 as it was discussed. And you could spell that D-I-S-G-U-S-T. Our final bill of the day will be House Bill 63, an act relating to school resource officers. If Representative Batch Bratcher would come to the table and any guests that you may have, have them introduce themselves. And before we begin, a Representative Riley would like to uh, speak to Hewitt just for a moment. So, uh, we'll, if you will, let's afford him that opportunity. Representative Riley. Yeah, thank you. I'd just like to uh, congratulate Hewitt on being there today. I'm sorry, he's one of my constituents. Uh, um, I've known his family for a long time, comes from a great family, and I hear he's a fine young man, and I'm uh, disappointed I'm not able to be there this morning because of a family illness. So, Hewitt, congratulations, and uh, I, I can't tell who's there with you. I hope maybe Doc's there with you, and just uh, congratulations on all you've done. Thank you. 
Thank you. Representative Bratcher, you may proceed. Thank you. That was a great presentation with Hewitt, uh, a new engineer in Kentucky. That's what we need. Madam Chair, this is uh, House Bill 63. There's a committee substitute. You know, a few years ago, Madam Chair, our late great friend Bam Carney, Senator Max Wise, and you, Chair, and many others in the General Assembly and around the state, went around the state looking for ways, asking staff, teachers, the general public, what are some things we can do to make our schools safer? This was a result of what happened, the horrible thing that happened in Marshall County, the school shooting in Heath. And the, the goal was to find a solution, a bill, that would prevent this ever happening again, or at least to make it not be so tragic. The results of that bill, of, of that uh, gathering, was a, was a bill, Senate Bill 1, and it created the Kentucky School Safety and Resiliency Act. This act bore many ideas on safety, from mental health counseling to safety training, and it created the School Safety Center and a position called the School Safety Marshal. And one of the purposes, the main purposes of this bill, one of the main ones, was to create an SRO, school safety officer. This SRO would be POP certified sworn officer that would be on the grounds performing safety functions and at the ready if the unspeakable happens. The bill today, the committee substitute of House Bill 63, <clears throat> gives us more guidance on that bill, as there has been some confusion of implementing it. This bill is not an unfunded mandate. This committee substitute is not unfunded. This, I was told, was the next step to get our safety, uh, uh, the safety in our schools funded. This bill would be a good step forward because what this bill will do, two things mainly. One, it defines that an SRO be physically on a campus of assignment. That's the first part. And the second part, it gives school districts that do not have funding or enough officers, and we know there are not enough, there's not enough officers out there to fulfill this role. <clears throat> uh, there's not enough staff, and this School Safety Act's requirement will have the district informing the school safety marshal of the problem that a school is having that cannot fulfill the intentions of Senate Bill 1, and a plan can be devised to make it happen. Now, here's an important thing that this bill will do, too. The, the Senate Bill 1 required an annual report on school safety, and many of the uh, if you've ever seen it, it's a very detailed, well-put-together report every year. One of the things that's lacking is reasons why schools cannot fund or find personnel, or if, if that's a problem. They can keep track of the statistics of why schools can't fulfill the original intent of Senate Bill 1. Uh, we do have uh, some that want to speak um, in regards to... Uh the bill as well from our audience. But we'll take the questions and then we'll have them speak and then we'll take a vote. 
So Representative Bojanowski. Um, yes, thank you very much. Um, okay, so I'm gonna start with, I've been a teacher in an elementary school in JCPS for 13 years. And at no point in, in my personal experience have I felt unsafe in our building with our, our current plan. So that's just my perspective from an elementary level. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about local control. So when we met to discuss the COVID mitigation plans, this, our body, came to a consensus that the local control of the locally elected school boards in each of our 171 districts were best suited to protect our children and to provide safety in a global pandemic. And that was without their plans having to be approved by the public health department. So now we're talking the complete opposite of local control in that our locally um, elected school board in Jefferson County, and I'm gonna speak of Jefferson County because I feel like this bill is directly aimed toward Jefferson County. Our locally elected school board has decided seven to zero unanimously to adopt the safety plan that has been presented by Dr. Polio. Could you explain why this body, such a proponent of local control, is now not advocating for local control in another safety situation? Well, Senate Bill 1 was, was passed before COVID. And Senate Bill 1 has a... Uh, the intention of Senate Bill 1 is to, if you're talking about SROs, is to have an SRO on every campus. So that is the law of the state right now, the Commonwealth. So, I, you know, to me, we're talking apples and oranges. Wearing a mask or social distancing is much lower to me than the unspeakable of what we know could happen one day in one of our schools if there's no security there. So I don't know how to really answer that. We could talk about COVID restrictions or we could talk about school safety officers during a horrible situation. To me, they don't relate to each other. I understand your concept of local control on one item and uh, a statewide law on the other, but it's just two different things. And the two different things speak for themselves. May I just follow up briefly? Briefly. All right, so, I mean, it's very frustrating from, a, from my position to hear local control, local control, local control, and then for um, a bill to be presented to us that would take away the local control of our elected school board, who, according to their attorneys, are following the, the nature of the law. So I thank you for taking my question and for communicating with me about this topic. Um, but I simply feel like if local control is essential during a global pandemic, that local control can know best how to keep our students safe. Thank you. Well, if I could answer, I mean, it, then maybe you should work to repeal the School Safety Resiliency Act because that was created before COVID, there are many items that are local control, and then there are many Commonwealth-wide statutes. 
So this isn't the first time that's come up, uh, come to the front. I mean, there's local control on some things. And who provides that local control? The legislature. They say you can have local control on X, Y, Z, but there's a state law on ABC. So it's, I understand your frustration. I just don't agree with it on this issue. Representative Scott. Thank you, Chairwoman. Uh, Chairman Bratcher, just for people who don't have the committee sub in front of them, what's the difference between the original bill and the committee sub? I'm not talking about those of us on the committee. I'm talking about people oh, there. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, the first bill just said, uh, the first uh, bill, House Bill 63, just simply said that you can't use the uh, loophole of there's not enough funds or not enough uh, uh, personnel. Well, that was totally inadequate, and I take the fall on that one. So I, w I went to the school uh, safety marshal. I went to many experts in the field, and that's where we created the committee uh, sub to where if you can't afford the intentions of the School Safety Act, then send, send your reasons to the school safety center and the school safety marshal, the statewide marshal, and let's work on a plan to get you there. And like I said, one of the great byproducts of this uh, committee, uh, Madam Chair and committee, is that now we will know what schools can't reach the level that Senate Bill 1, the School Safety Act, uh, requires, and we can find out why they can't reach uh, that level and maybe we can do something to help them in the future. But we got to have those statistics of, you know, why can't you fulfill Senate Bill 1? So, uh, Chairman Bratcher, just to follow up then, where it says as funds and qualified personnel become available, that's been struck um, stricken from this particular uh, committee substitute. So where would funds come from to pay for the school resource officers? Well, they come from the district, unless the district can't afford it, and then they just simply go to the, simply, you know, they, they go to the simply. school safety uh, officer, statewide marshal, and they develop a plan to get them there. And if you can't get there, you can't get there. This is not an unfunded mandate. Oh, I just want to be clear. I didn't say it was unfunded mandate. I'm just trying to understand where the oh, money's coming from. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Representative Donahue. Thank you, Madam Chair, and uh, welcome everybody here. Uh, Representative, I, I do have a couple issues with the bill. I mean, one thing is about the funding to make sure that we fund, and, and I, I will say this, and the other thing is about what we use in school. I think we should have some flexibility for whether it's a taser or a gun. Unfortunately, and hang on to your hats, you know, when I was in school in the 60s, uh, we uh, in, in high school, uh, we had police officers in the school, and people forget that. Some of our schools in Louisville, Kentucky, had police officers in the school. So I've often said about resource officers, they can be called a resource ambassador. They can be a, different things like that because when I was in school, somebody that, that handled a lot of times would be my, my biology teacher that people have respect for, but it was the one that we call and there was any kind of issue in the school. So we've gotten away from that. But unfortunately, with today's society, we have to have somebody in those schools. I want to make sure that we're uh, fully funded at every school. I believe every school should have one. Um, but I think the school's system should be able to make those decisions whether or not they're in kindergartens or middle schools and stuff like that as well, too. 
But that's the only concerns I have is about making sure they're funded. Um, unfortunately, in this day and age, we have to have someone there. I think we ought to take a look at what their responsibilities are going to be as as to not, I don't want to see a situation where a resource officer comes to school and one there's a problem. I think they should be there. They should be a part of what's going on. Those kids should be able to build a relationship with those individuals, man or woman, that's there. And so we can uh, alleviate some of the problems because they'll trust them and come talk to them. But I'm going to support this legislation. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for uh, discussing the SROs. I just want to quickly mention, uh, I've witnessed firsthand the relationships that these uh, uh, SROs are creating with students and uh, just how grateful I am that someone is there to uh, protect my daughter as a teacher and my grandchildren are in the public schools. So it's to me, it's just a very important that we realize what their need is. And with all due respect to Representative Bojanowski's experience, if you had asked some that had been through this devastation of a school shooting, they would have probably had the same experience that you had the day before. I don't think we ever imagined such horrific actions within our school system. So, But I, I just want to commend the SROs that are in our districts because they are trying to uh, form relationships and doing a fantastic job for the ones, and I've witnessed quite a few doing their job. So I just wanted to mention that. Also, uh, Representative Baker has a question. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Chairman Bratcher, thank you for bringing this. The, the safety of our students, of our educators, the people in, that, in those buildings, they are of utmost importance, and thank you for, for the work you've done on this. I have witnessed over the years some of the SROs in my community, and these are good men. These are men who are there for safety, but they provide a positive male role model within that building that some of these young, young students need, particularly the young men in the building. And they, they, they fill so many roles throughout that, and so I appreciate what you're doing. As a matter of local control, my understanding is from my district where I live, uh, there are some buildings that have full-time people, and there are some who float. And the district makes that decision. Does this take that decision away from them? Will they continue to do that as they move forward and work out that plan and, and report to the state marshal? Will they continue to make the decisions on which buildings have the, the uh, SROs first and which ones get them later on? Sure, they, they will. You know, Jefferson County Public Schools just came up with a great new plan. It's, it's a great first step, you know, and... The goal is to have an SRO. That's the original intent of Senate Bill 1, was to have an SRO on every school campus. And, you know, there's ways to get to there. You know, it doesn't have to, Rome wasn't built overnight, right? I mean, it takes a while. And with the funding and the lack of personnel, it's going to take some time to get there. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's the there's still a lot of local control in this. Yes, sir, and that's the way I see it, and thank you so much for allowing me to, to weigh in. Thank you. Representative Tipton? <clears throat> thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Representative Bradshaw, I appreciate you uh, bringing this. I appreciate your passion. I appreciate your concern for the students across the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Uh, this is the uh, sixth year uh, I've served on the House Education Committee. Uh, uh, I've really enjoyed my time here. It's been a great experience, great learning experience, and of all the committee meetings we have, uh, I don't remember a lot. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't always remember what's happened at previous committee meetings, but I do remember one committee meeting very specifically. Uh, Pam Carney was chairing that meeting, my good friend. We closed the meeting and he made an announcement here in this very room 
that there had been a shooting at Marshall County High School. I still remember the shock and horror of that announcement. Just like there was shock and horror always, all the way across our state, across the country, each time we hear of a situation like this. Our children are our future. They are so precious. Uh, I, I attended some of the meetings that took place across the state in the development of Senate Bill 1. Representative Carney, Senator Wise took great steps to incorporate anybody, bring anybody to the table who wanted to have input on this decision. We came up with Senate Bill 1. And Representative Bratcher, you are right. It is the intent of Senate Bill 1 that every school campus in the state of Kentucky have a school resource officer. I know it's controversial. If you read the, if you read on in this bill, because it's in current statute, it says they will have an armed school resource officer. And I know that's controversial in some settings. I had the opportunity to serve as principal for the day at Robert B. Turner Elementary School in Anderson County uh, last fall. Uh, that school had a deputy sheriff serving as a school resource officer. My time there that day, I had an opportunity to observe the interaction between that officer, that deputy, and the students in those school. It was a bonding type of relationship. It was a relation you could definitely see the students respected that officer, and, and that's what we need in our schools. We have so many social problems now. Our youth are dealing with so many issues. They need positive role models, and they need to learn that they can trust a police officer, a law enforcement official, and that seems to be lacking in our society. Uh, again, uh, this is not a perfect solution. Uh, you know, we've, we're, the state's in a little better financial situation than we have been in the past, and I serve on, I serve on appropriations revenue, and I'm more willing to uh, talk to my fellow members and, and Chair Petrie, and maybe there is some funding we can come up with to help solve this problem. So I appreciate this, certainly support this bill, and thank you for bringing it forward, Representative Bratcher. Thank you. Representative Massey. Thank you, Representative Bratcher and seatmate um, for being here today and presenting on this matter. Um, I will tell you that long before some of these shootings occurred in my county, where I served for, for a number of years, um, we now have an SRO in every school. But I'll never forget, I was a brand new baby board member when they came to me and asked me about SROs and the board's admonition to the sheriff at that time was, well, we're glad to have these officers in our buildings, but we don't want to have, don't want them to have firearms. I'll never forget what Sheriff Helmig said to me at that point. He says, look, if you're going to have us do a job, you have to allow us to have the tools to do our job. And that was one of the tools that they obviously use and not only protecting themselves. The other company said is, look, I'm not going to put my, my people in harm's way if they don't have a way to protect themselves. So the history was we had a, an SRO in our buildings. We had one in each campus at that time until Marshall County. And then we worked with our sheriff's department in a cooperative effort and a collaborative effort to put an SRO in every school in our district. Um, now, that's a much, difficult, much more difficult task in Jefferson County that has so many schools. Um, I will say that, that you and I have had many discussions about, and I know this is not an unfunded mandate, but we've had many discussions about what unfunded mandates are. And schools have been... Um, bludgeoned with many unfunded mandates over the years. I mean, many unfunded mandates. And then we get criticized as public schools about we're not failing, we're not keeping up when you're telling us to do more work, but you're not giving us the tools or the money to do that work. And that's a very frustrating endeavor. And I fought against that for many, many years at the state level and the national level. Um, I think we need to fund our SROs. 
I think we need as a state to step up and fund um, the SROs in the schools around our state, including Jefferson County, because, you know, a life is worth that funding, just candidly. A life is worth that funding. And our SROs are actually mentors to those students. And so students will trust them. I did a research paper, not that anyone cares, but I had a research paper when I was in college between the attitudes towards police in Boone County as opposed to Covington. And in Boone County, they were they, they embraced it and said, they're my friend. I can go to them. I trust them. If I need help, I run to them. And in Covington, they said, they took my brother away. They came into my house and arrested my dad. And there was this huge mistrust and, and for a variety of reasons. But what I learned with that was invaluable. We need to work on building trust in our schools with these security personnel. These officers can, can be part of the team, if you will. Um, we've incorporated them in that way in Boone County, and I hope in Jefferson County they'll consider doing that. But I think we as a legislative body ought to commit to getting the funding for Senate Bill 1. It's easy to pass a bill. It really, I mean, not always super easy, but it's easy to pass a bill and say we want to do these great things, but we're not going to fund it. Until we step up to the plate and fund the commitments we make, we're going to have continue to have these problems. So thank you for bringing our attention to this, and I appreciate um, your desire to protect the students within your districts, and um, I just uh, thank you for that. Could I, uh, you know, uh, thank you, Representative Massey Seatmate, and in um, that annual report that the Safety uh, Center does every year on school safety, it has a percentage of how many are following the SRO rule. And there's like half the schools are not doing that. And you know what? One of the first questions that's asked, I, I've been told by the marshal and, and the, the ones that work this every day, is they say, why? Why isn't, why aren't they doing that? Well, the obvious is, you know, the lack of funding and, and uh, the lack of personnel, but it's not there in black and white. And I don't know how you, one, one, one fellow told me this, how are, you ever gonna, how are we ever gonna approach the legislature to say this is a lack of funding the reason this it's not happening. So that's why I reiterate, this is a first step to providing statistics. You know before we, we ever dole out a dime that we wanna know all the information of where that money is going. And this will be a great first step to get us to the point of hopefully funding the entire School Safety and Resiliency Act. Thank you, Representative Wilner. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, thank you, Rep. Bratcher. Just, you know, Senate Bill 1 and then in 2019 and then Senate Bill 8 in 2020, it was the result of very a very thoughtful process, as many people here have outlined. And I remember that day of the Marshall County shooting. I remember um, how devastating that news was. I remember that there was an SRO on the campus at the time that that shooting happened. Um, and, uh, well, I, I, have, I have many questions. As personnel and funding become available was part of Senate Bill 1 and then later Senate Bill 8, and now we're looking to get rid of that, it, it looks like. And funding is one issue, but personnel is another issue, and I know that at least in Jefferson County, where you and I live, uh, we are short many, 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 many police officers. And so my understanding prior was that if personnel is not available, it would be up to the discretion of the school system, the local school district, where those limited 
number of officers are assigned. And can you help me clarify for me, is that now no longer up to local decision making? It, it has to go through the state security marshal? Sure, they would work together and come up with a plan. Oh, okay, but but prior to this bill, that would be left to the discretion of the school system. Uh, so, and I have one other question. We've heard stories, and I personally, and I'm sure you ha too, have met some wonderful school resource officers, men and women, who serve in these roles and do a fantastic job and build relationships with students. Sadly, we've also had incidents where school resource resource officers have not engaged safely with students. Students have been injured. Students have been traumatized. Students have been uh, put into the criminal justice system over what was essentially a school discipline issue. Um, and so part of the Jefferson County plan, wh when that happens, if for an example, an LMPD officer injures a JCPS student within a JCPS school, there's no resource for the school system to address that because it happens with LMPD. It's a whole separate chain of command. And so if there's a concern with what happened in the school, it's now beyond the school's control. My understanding is that Senate Bill 1 and then later Senate Bill 8 allowed for school law enforcement officers that could be hired by the school system who would actually report to the superintendent of schools. Does this bill preclude those school law enforcement officers that report to the school system rather than report to a police department? Can you rephrase that? <laughs> yes. School law enforcement officers are not necessarily hired by, for example, Louisville Metro Police Department. A school law enforcement officer could be hired by JCPS, would report to JCPS, if there are disciplinary matters, if students are injured at the hands of a school law enforcement officer, it would be JCPS's responsibility because they hire that person, they're responsible for them. Would this bill allow school districts to hire their own security personnel or would they be forced to work with police departments? They wouldn't be forced to work with anyone. As far as this bill is concerned, it's, it's the, the school districts would have the, the autonomy to hire who they want. Thank you very much. Thank you. Representative Miller. Thank you. <clears throat> I, I was... Uh, principal, assistant principal, 32 years. In fact, Representative Bratcher was my student. It's true. <laughs> Pretty good student, really. Now, come on. <laughs> we can't tell everything. We can't tell everything. But uh, I feel like he's trying to do what's right for our schools and our students. You know, we had, uh, when I was involved, we had uh, hall monitors, but they were very valuable until we got the SROs. You know, students began to trust them, and a lot of times 
they tell them things that are going to happen, and we cut it out before it does happen. They let you know when someone might have a gun in school. Uh, they let you know many, many things, maybe even students that are being abused. So I think these people are very important to us, and we need to find money to put them in all of our schools. But when the SROs came into Jefferson County, uh, they did a great job. I know Pleasure Ridge Park had one that was very, very useful. But they did away with them. And I, I just think we need to think about having someone in our schools that can help us in many ways because principals and assistant principals and teachers, counselors, we can't do everything. So we do need people there to help us. Uh, I support this bill, and I feel like that good things will come out of it because we got people in here that can help us find the money, and and I don't know why we can't put them in all schools. So thank you for bringing the bill, and I'll try to support it all the way. Oh. Thank you. Well, that... Uh, Representative Bradger. Yes, I'm sorry. If you want to vote on this bill. Okay, I'm losing my audience here. <laughs> Then I'm going to have to interrupt you and allow for the last comments by Representative Tim. Chair Huff, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, Representative Bratcher, th thank you for bringing this bill forward. As a former teacher and former principal, um, elementary and middle school um, in an urban area, I support this bill. Um, and if there are school districts in the state that need a role model to go by, Fay County Public Schools. Uh, the late Manny Cock passed his 10-point safety plan, which was outstanding. Increased the number of officers in the school buildings, as well as increased funding for social workers and mental health professionals. Those went hand in hand. Um, we also implemented, it was kind of controversial at the time, metal detectors. But I can tell you that as an assistant principal, I relied heavily on our school resource officers. Um, for guidance, the training I was given on due process, following due process, and how critical that is for student rights. I was improved tremendously just on the relationships I had with our school resource officers. Um, I, th I think this is warranted. Um, every school that I've worked in, with the exception of um, a school in Jefferson County, uh, we had school resource officers. and. It was, as a teacher, I always felt safe in my classrooms, but as a principal, I always liked having someone there to help. Um, now, jurisdictional issues were something that we would always have discussions about, and those things have to be ironed out, but they have been, and they can be. Um, there's a lot of research about how important this is. Um, I, I just think of the relationships that our school resource officers have with our student body as well as our staff members. 
Um, I think it's I think they're they're very very important to have there, and I and I thank you for bringing this bill forward. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Representative Bradshaw. We do have some guests that would like to speak. Uh, first, uh, Lyndon Pryor, if you would come to the table, introduce yourself for the record, and you have about five minutes. Thank you. Um, Lyndon Pryor, I am here as a concerned uh, constituent uh, and parent uh, from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I'm the father of a first grader um, uh, in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And one thing I can say about her time uh, so far through kindergarten and first grade, obviously we've been in the midst of a pandemic and so it has not been anything that we have expected or anticipated for what her first years of school would look like. Um, but I've gotten to know the folks in her building, her classmates, and I can say with all confidence, um, that there is a lot of things that they need, um, but more officers in schools, or an officer in this case, um, for her school is not one of them, um, and certainly not someone else uh, with a gun. What students and teachers and school administrators need more um, than anything are more truly trusted and skilled adults um, in their buildings, individuals who are trained to teach, counsel, um, and most importantly, engender trust among students the students and staff that they serve. This is often just not the case for SROs. And I've heard you all speak a lot about some of the experiences that you all have. Um, but frankly, I'd like to um, posit that there is a different experience for, for others. Um, and we know this from national data. Most teachers um, who have been polled na nationally, um, as well as students, talk about feelings of mistrust. Um, and feeling uncomfortable in spaces where officers are present. And data supports these feelings because we know that SROs have a disproportionate rate of arrest um, for nonviolent behavior. The available research concludes that higher rates are, that those higher rates are based on SROs reporting low-level behaviors as crime. And this is especially true for black and brown students, people who look like me and my daughter. Simply put, SROs have been shown to detract from healthy and productive learning environments. Um, they tend to have little to no impact on actually reducing violent behavior, and I think that is an important thing to stress since somewhat of the foundation of this bill is laid on this idea of keeping kids safe. Um, but many of the mass shootings that have occurred in schools um, have been in spaces where SROs were still present, and yet those things still took place. And so the idea or this mythology around safety um, is one that we really need to debunk. But lastly, SROs have been proven to exacerbate um, the school-to-prison pipeline. They are a drain on district budgets. Um, they are cumbersome for law enforcement agencies already saddled with um, self-proclaimed staffing shortages. And the simple fact is um, that we've been here long enough to know that this is not necessarily answered to keeping kids safe and more, and more importantly, helping kids learn which is the point of school. So what I think we should be doing um, is investing in proven solutions that students, teachers, staff, and families have asked for and stand behind. Trauma-informed mental health providers, which I heard mentioned here, counselors, teachers' aides, and other adults tasked, with, tasked and trained, specifically trained, to actually support students in the ways that matter most to them, um, most to their personal and academic well-being. 
Far too often in our history, um, we have used education and our children as pawns for um, kind of uninformed and, and self-serving political whims of adults. Um, and that's just really unfortunate. We seem to be more willing to sacrifice their education and their mental and physical security um, to score points, score points in some imaginary game in which they are the only losers. Now more than ever, our kids need resources and funding for the things that are going to help them succeed and thrive in the classroom and beyond. And simply put, I just do not believe that SROs are going to do that and the data supports that. And that is the thing that I cannot stress, stress enough, the data supports that. And if you listen to the voices of the kids who have been through recent school shootings, recent ones, whether that be students going back all the way to Columbine, but in Florida, in Connecticut, in other places, those students have been screaming out for different types of changes and reforms that deal with what happens to them in school, but none of them are screaming for SROs. That should tell us something. I just ask that this body um, would act on behalf of all the students. I, I respect that some of you have had good experiences with SROs, and I, and I acknowledge that that is possible. But we have to always consider the unintended consequences and allow for schools um, to make the decisions that is going to be best for all of their students locally. Um, thank you for your time and your attention. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm Sadiqa Reynolds, President and CEO of the Louisville Urban League. We're a civil rights organization. We are based in Louisville, Kentucky. There's also a Lexington Urban League in Lexington. And our focus is on jobs, justice, education, health, and housing. Thank you all. Um, fueled by a 24-hour news cycle and social media, the idea that our youth are more incorrigible, more criminal, and more violent has intensified the cries for police presence in schools. The truth of the matter is that mass shootings at schools are rare and SROs do not prevent or stop them. In fact, research shows that the presence of SROs is detrimental to the welfare of our children, leading to the increased criminalization of youth for childlike behaviors. A student is far more likely to be involved in a shooting off campus. Even though enhanced security measures such as police and security officers were largely inspired by school shootings in mostly white suburban schools, they have been most readily adopted and enforced in urban schools with low student to teacher ratios, high percentages of students of color, and lower test scores. SROs, and you need to hear this, no matter how well trained, cannot provide the same ongoing support that a mental health professional, social worker, or other adult charged with supporting students can. Representative Donahue, I don't understand where you get the data. More people die in school shootings where an armed officer is present than where there isn't one. According to a new study published by a criminal justice professor, Jillian Peterson, who looked at 133 shootings where one or more people were intentionally shot in a school building or where someone came to school armed with the intent of firing indiscriminately, the study found that there were three times as many people killed where there was an officer on the scene who was armed. Part of the reason for that may be that someone going to a school where there is an armed officer goes with more ammunition, goes with a suicidal thought. We have to look at the data. This is not something that you do 
and then think about. There will be consequences for this. The things our students need are adults with bandwidth. Many of you all have talked about trust, and you've talked about trust building, and you've said that SROs, they can create these relationships, and they absolutely can. And they absolutely can follow up on things that the students have told them. But so can other trusted adults, whether they be mental health workers, whether they be social workers, whether they are just a student uh, in aid in the, in the classroom. If you build a relationship with students, they will tell you what is happening. They will tell you what's happening in school, outside of school, in their homes. I run an organization where we support students. We run out-of-school time programs. I have staff who have interrupted suicides, who have stopped violence in schools before they got there. We have notified authorities of abuse. We have found children who were missing. You, that is correct. You can build relationships and build trust. You don't have to have a weapon to do that. And in fact, it doesn't help. If you are talking about saving lives, this is not the way to do it. And in fact, the data absolutely opposes it. Read a study. There are many out there that will tell you that. The other thing I've thought about is I've been sitting here listening to you all. I hear you talk about the tornado and the devastation you know, what those families and those children have been through. And we're talking about resiliency. Imagine that children have been traumatized. They have no home. They have been displaced. That's your word that was used here today. And your response is to send police? Where is the mercy in that for our families, for our students? What are we doing to support them with mental health? Representative, you talked about what Manny did in Lexington, but he did that in conjunction with mental health therapists. You have said nothing about funding mental health therapists. You have said nothing about sending social workers into schools. Our children are traumatized. They were traumatized before the pandemic, and it is worse now. Ask any teacher, ask anybody in there, ask yourselves, what is happening with your own families? Depression is up 600%. Anxiety is up 800%. The suicide rate, is there one of you that knows how many children in your district has killed themselves since we started school this year, last year even? These children need something other than police. This is not to demonize police. I talked to three police chiefs last night. I love them. I support them. But let me tell you something. That is not the answer for our students. It is not enough. It is not going to save lives. It hasn't. And as Representative Wilner pointed out in the big school shooting that happened, unfortunately, in our state, there was an SRO present. Ladies and gentlemen, I beg you to do some research before you push forward with this. JCPS has offered a plan that does allow for SROs to be on a campus regionally. It is not perfect, it is not what I would want, but it is something that speaks to what you need, but you have got to do what is best for our students. They need mental health support. They are self-medicating. Listen to this. They are bringing dabs into schools. No police officer is going to be able to detect those things. They are self-medicating because we don't have the resources. And you have said today, a couple of you have said, and I wrote it down, it's worth the money. It's worth the money. 
When will you show Kentucky that our students are worth the money? Invest in preventive help. Police are Band-Aids. Police are Band-Aids. We need front-end support for our students, and not just in Jefferson County, and not just for black and brown students, for white students, for all of the students. They are suffering, and this doesn't help. And the fact that you would suggest that we would spend any dime that we find on police instead of getting help for our young people, how dare you? How dare us? It is irresponsible as adults. And I know your hearts are in the right place. I listen to Representative Bratcher. I do not think he is a bad man. I do not think any of you all, I will not demonize you. That is not what I'm here to do. I'm here to tell you that you are making a terrible error. And, and, it's, and it is important, Chair Huff, because the dollars that you will spend and force these districts to spend cannot be used on the things that they need and the humans that they need in the building with the bandwidth to follow up. That's what we haven't had. We've got teachers, we've got librarians. I'm almost finished, okay. I know. I'm well, looking we, at we the time. We need to take a vote. Well, I understand that. My five minutes are not quite up. I think I've been looking at it. One more second and okay. I'm done. Thank you so much, Representative um, Chair Huff. I want to say this. The dollars that you redirect will not be able to be used in the schools to help with more adults to prevent the things that are happening. Please do not do this. Thank you. Thank you. And um, we have a motion on the bill by Representative Dossett, a second by Representative Timoney. Um, Liz, please call the roll. Representative Baker? Yes. Representative Banta? Yes. Representative Bojanowski? No. Representative Decker? Yes. Representative Donahue? Yes, ma'am. Representative Dossett? Representative Hart? Yes. Representative Koenig? Yes. Representative Lewis? Yes. Representative Massey? Yes. Representative McCool? Yes. Representative Miller? Yes. Representative Gibbons Prunty? Yes. Representative Rayburn? Yes. Representative Riley? Representative Scott? No. Representative Timoney? Yes. Representative Tipton? Yes. Representative Weber? Yes. Representative White? Representative Wilner? No. Chair Huff? Yes. House Bill 63 passes with expression of opinion that the same should pass with committee substitute attached thereto. Thank you very much. Do we have any further business? Any questions? We have a motion to adjourn. Do we have a second? We are adjourned. The information that was presented as to the rationale behind the bill, as well as the justification, as well as the testimonies of impacted black stakeholders from Jefferson County and the flat-out denial of their experiences by anyone who, who voted in favor of this bill. This bill is racist. It harms our black students and families. Anyone who votes in favor of House Bill 63 has shown us which side of the line they've chosen to be on. And I also want to make you aware that there is a trial that starts on Tuesday, February 22nd at 9.30 a.m. regarding a case of discrimination 
and retaliation against a black educator in JCPS who was demoted from her counselor position at Maupin Elementary after she stood up against harm that had been caused to some of the students in her school. That can be found on the TuesdayTrial.com website where we will be documenting the trial as it progresses as well as providing court documents and depositions, audio and video recordings and PDFs of various court documents that have been obtained as well as information regarding several other JCPS educators that have experienced some of these similar patterns as well as information that leads to evidence of attempts to cover up and rewrite history to benefit the white leaders at the detriment of the black educators and most importantly at the detriment of our black and brown students. All of this will be documented as time and resources allow on the TuesdayTrial.com website. Please continue to follow along as these updates are added to the site. You've been listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS on Forward Radio 106.5 FM. Today we have heard from the House Education Committee meeting that took place on Tuesday, the testimonies of the sponsor of the bill, as well as those speaking against it, and information about an upcoming trial, Kimberly Johnson versus Jefferson County Public Schools. This Tuesday trial will be followed by our organization, and you can keep up to date with documents and information related to the trial on TuesdayTrial.com. That's T-W-O-S-D-A-Y-T-R-I-A-L dot com, TuesdayTrial.com. If you believe that you have been a witness or have experienced harm as a result of racial bias or discrimination in JCPS, please complete the survey found on DearJCPS.com. The proceeding is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. If you would like to share your views, you may email us at wfmp.louisville at gmail.com.